think so. Last week we had a video before the sermon and Dad forgot to give us time to show it. And this week I don't think there is a video that goes before the sermon. He wants to play it. So uh, before I forget, I'll announce this again at the end of service. <clears throat> but uh, for if you remember, for a few years we had a, a dinner and sign auction here at the church uh, every spring for Trail Life as a fundraiser. Uh, we've taken a couple years off because of COVID and all that stuff. And plus a lot of that silent auction stuff, we were asking small businesses to, you know, help us out with that, with donations. And so we were trying to give them some time to recover from, uh, the pandemic and everything. And so this year we are starting it back up. It'll, it, but it won't be here because we kind of outgrew our space. Last time, uh, we had stuff kind of everywhere, uh, for the silent auction. And so it's actually going to be Eastgate Baptist Church, which is off of Bark Salt Run, uh, off of Summerside there. Uh, so it'll be this Friday. Uh, it'll be a taco buffet. If you think you might go, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. It's not, uh, it's not, uh, you know, commit, uh, commitment to go. It's just so that way they can get an idea of how many people will be there, uh, to prepare food. And so I believe they're asking for $10 for adults, $5 for kids with a maximum of $30 per family, uh, for the food. And then there'll be silent auction items there that you can bid on. And again, all that goes to uh, help uh, fund Trail Life, uh, our ministry for the young men here. So like I said, I'll uh, mention that again uh, in the end, but uh, Jason want to make sure that we uh, mention that uh, this week. So this morning, as Dad said, we are uh, in our second sermon in this Easter series, and the title of it is Moving Past Our Past. And I want to kind of pull the curtain back a little bit. Uh, I mentioned this, I think, in our in our Advent series the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Uh, for Advent, the four weeks leading up to Christmas, we've done a sermon series together where I'll do one Sunday, Dad does the other Sunday. And so those are kind of, since it's difficult to come up with new ideas year after year after year for holidays, uh, those are sermon kind of sermon ideas, sermon outlines uh, that uh, that kind of come as a package. And it comes with the videos and all that stuff. And so last year in Easter, I don't know if you remember this happening. Last year, Dad uh, happened to notice that one wooden website, I think, that he got one of the, the Advent series from, they had an Easter series. And so he sent it to me and said, hey, I think we, I want to do this this year for Easter. Well, we had assumed that it was like the Advent series where it's the four weeks leading up to Easter. And so we planned it all out. We had it all, like all the videos lined up and, you know, all the, the music and everything. And I think about a week or two before, uh, I was looking through some of the, the sermons and I called dad. I said, dad, I think the uh, first sermon sounds like an Easter morning sermon. And so I said, I think it's supposed to be the Easter service and then the four weeks after. So we ended up having to reverse everything because we did it leading up to uh, Easter service. And so this year we were doing it right. Uh, we started Easter, so Dad's sermon was the first sermon, the Easter sermon, and so this is uh, this is moving forward. So moving past our past. If you've ever seen the uh, great philosophical movie Lion King, uh, if you remember when Simba first meets Timon and Pumbaa, does anybody remember the piece of advice that Pumbaa gives uh, gives Simba? You guys go ahead and brush up on your on your uh, your Disney classics. 
Well, he, he says Akuna Matata, but he tells him, no, not even that. He says, you got to put your behind in the past, is what he tells him. And he messes it up, sort of, you got to put your past behind you. And so that's what we're talking about this morning, is putting our past behind us. Not necessarily putting our behind in our past, but putting the past behind us. And, uh, you know, as we, as we age in our life, a lot of times what happens is we look back on our lives, we, we tend to have regrets about things that we've done and things that we didn't do that we should have done. And as I was preparing this message, I uh, was thinking about our neighbor, which, by the way, pray for our neighbors. Uh, their, their last name's Rose, so pray for the Rose family. They, uh, the husband, uh, when we moved in, he was not... Uh, in good health when we moved in. He was in his early stages of dementia. He passed away in the fall, and his wife, uh, a few about a month ago, found out she has uh, pancreatic cancer, and so she is not doing well either. Uh, but I remember when we first moved into that house, uh, the our neighbor was, I guess you could say, a little cantankerous. Uh, he uh, was not easy to get along with. He, uh, from what I, like I said, he was in early stages of dementia, and uh, but apparently, even before that, he was not easy to get along with. In fact, one of the neighbors, I was outside doing some work one day, and one of the neighbors down the street passed, and he stopped and talked to me. And he said something about it. He goes, I know he's not uh, doing well. You know, he's got problems going on right now. But he said he was difficult to get along with before that. And so, uh, and so he was kind of difficult. And so a few weeks after he passed, his daughter stopped by to let us know that he had, he had uh, passed away. And she was telling me that, because uh, I knew that the wife uh, is, is a Christian, and, she, and so the daughter was telling me that uh, they were talking to him uh, in his final weeks about his, his soul. And one thing he mentioned to them, which I was shocked to hear this, uh, he said, you know, I've done a lot of bad things in my life. I've been mean to a lot of people. And he said, I don't know if Jesus can forgive me for all the things that I've done. And so according to what the family has told me, they spoke to him and they said, yes, Jesus can, uh, can forgive your sins. And from what I understand, before he passed away, he accepted Christ as a Savior, which is great. But a lot of times in our lives, we look back on our lives, especially when uh, you, you see it a lot of times when people know that they're in, nearing the end of their life. They look back and they have regrets about things that they've done or things that they've said or things that they didn't do that they should have done. And so this morning, we want to talk about the, the resurrection that we celebrated last week, how that can affect, uh, how it can take away that regret and take away those feelings of guilt in our lives. And so the first truth about uh, getting, you know, getting past our past is we need to live by the windshield and not the rearview mirror. You know, uh, in our lives, uh, in, in today's world, uh, almost all new cars, I think, come with a backup camera, uh, where when you put your car in reverse, uh, there's a display that pops up and it shows what's all behind you. And those things are great. Uh, I've mentioned, I, I think it's unfair that kids now, uh, when they get their driver's license, if they got one of those backup cameras, that's almost like cheating on the maneuverability test because you can see what's right behind you. But if you've noticed... Uh, at least on our car, I know, uh, whenever you put it in reverse, it pops up that, that video on your screen, but there's a message that pops up. 
It says, check all surroundings. Because what happens is a lot of times people, they stare at that screen and they don't look what's all around them. And so when they're backing up, they're staring at that screen and they may not realize if they're backing out of a parking spot, there might be a car right next to them. And as they're you know, turning their wheel, they're turning their front end right into someone else's car. And so if we're not careful, if we just stare at the rear view, if we just stare at that backup camera, we're going to lose sight of what's actually in front of us and what we ought to be looking at. And we don't look, we don't pay attention to what else is important in our lives. And so this morning, that is what we need to do is in our lives, we need to look forward and not stare in our rear view mirror. In uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, Paul has something to say about that. He says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to the things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In the beginning of chapter 3 in Philippians, Paul goes through and he lists a lot of his qualifications. He talks about, he says, listen, if you want to brag about how great you are and how uh, how great your background is, he said, listen to my background. And he basically listed all of his, his qualifications of, of being a good Jewish person. He's saying, look, I, I, I know what my heritage is. I was circumcised the eighth day. I, I did all of this stuff. And so he's kind of bragging about it, but really he's not necessarily bragging. He, because then he says, but all those things I counted as gain before, I count them as loss now for the cause of Christ. And one thing he mentions in there, and you know, is, is we look at this passage and we look at what he had said before, I don't think when he was writing down his qualifications, I don't think it was 100% him trying to brag or, or trying to say, hey, this, look at what I've got. I think he was also trying to tell the church, look where I came from. Because one of the things he points out, and we're not going to read it there, but one of the things he points out is, he says, concerning zeal, I was, I was better than everybody else around me because I was persecuting the church. And his point was that he felt that that's what God wanted him to do. He felt that, that good Jewish people needed to persecute the church because they were blasphemers. They were following this Jesus who was a blasphemer. And so when he writes this passage, when he writes these verses, in verse 13 and 14, when he talks about forgetting the things that are behind, yeah, he is talking about all of my, you know, all the things I can brag about, you know, I, I put those things behind. But I have to think that when Paul was writing that, he was trying to put away the things in his past that he completely regretted. He was putting away the things that haunted him when he laid his head down at night. He was putting away those things. He was allowing God to put away those things and forget those things. The persecutions, we know that when Paul was on the road to Damascus, he had papers with him to go, uh, to go arrest Christians and probably put them to death. And so in all of that, Paul says, I forget all of those things and I am looking forward. I'm looking forward to what God wants me to do. And in our lives, we can, uh, we can look back in our lives and we can have all these regrets and we can have all these things that we wish we would have done differently. But if that's all we're doing, then to be honest, we're taking away the power of the cross. We're taking away the power of the resurrection that, that Christ gave to us last week that we celebrated. We're taking away that power in our lives because God came uh, as, as a human here on earth and he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross and he rose three days later. 
in order to wipe all of that clean, in order to wipe away all of our past, in order to take away all of our regrets and everything in our lives, he took, he came and he took that for us. He took that punishment for us. And if we are not allowing Christ to wipe away our past, if we are not uh, looking forward and we are just constantly looking at our regrets in our background, then we are looking past the power of the cross. We are robbing ourselves of the good work that Christ wants to do in our lives. We are robbing ourselves of the joy that Christ wants to give us because we are living in our regrets. You know, I I think when you think about Paul, you know, there are a lot of people in the Bible that had kind of checkered pasts. But Paul is probably one of the more famous ones. And I think when you, when you look at Paul's writings and you think about what Paul says about this, about forgetting what is behind us. You know, I mentioned he was on the road to Damascus to go arrest Christians. But there's a story that happens in the book of Acts that a lot of times we, we, we kind of know it as a Bible trivia thing, but we don't really think about what was going on in this scene. When Stephen was preaching before the Jews and they they stoned him, they killed him for preaching the gospel. Luke points out that there was a young man there that whenever, uh, if you can imagine, basically they they had their outer garments, basically kind of taking your coat off to be able to to throw these rocks. They took their coats off and they laid them at at the feet of a young man named Paul. At that time, uh, he was going normally by Saul. Uh, by the way, I try to point this out every time. It bugs me to death when people say Saul was the bad guy and Paul was the good guy. That's not biblical at all. Saul was his Jewish name. Paul was his Roman name. Paul was a Roman citizen, so he had a Jewish name and he had a Roman name. He goes by Paul most of the time because once he becomes a Christian, he is he feels that he is an apostle to the Gentiles, and so he uses his Gentile name when he refers to himself. But it has nothing to do with good and bad. But anyway, at that time, he's going by Saul most of the time. And so the Bible says that they laid their, their coats at Saul's feet. And I, I think we, we have to understand, we talk about people being stoned in Scripture. Uh, when that happened, that was a gruesome event. Uh, basically, what would happen is they would find stone, basically as big as they could throw they would find those stones and they would just begin to pelt people with them until they were dead. I mean, this wasn't a clean process. This wasn't like lethal injection. This, this wasn't even like a guillotine. I mean, this was a, a gruesome process. And think about as Paul became a Christian. Do you ever think that Paul, when he went to bed at night, do you ever think that that, that scene played in his mind? of what they did to Stephen and how awful and how gruesome that was. And he felt that he was doing what was right at that time. You know, I have to imagine that that played through his mind. But there is never once in any of Paul's writings that he ever once doubts the fact that God has forgiven him. Now, Paul does talk about, he says that he is the chiefest of sinners, that he is is the worst of the worst. But he never once doubts what God had done in his life. And so I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter what is going on in your life. 
when Christ forgives you, you. it's done. When Christ forgives you, you need to forget those things that are behind you and look forward to the things that God has before you. And in Paul's life, I just can't help but think about if, if Paul were here this morning and, and you, were, you were struggling with, with feelings of guilt of your past, Paul would probably stand up here and say, listen, you think you got something to be guilty about? Let me tell you all the things I've got in my life to feel guilty about. But you know what? Christ wiped all of that clean, and I don't have to worry about that anymore. And so this morning, if we are going to get past our past, we need to stop looking in the rearview mirror and start looking through the windshield. But not only that, if we are going to get past our past, we need to put it to death. We need to put it to death. In Galatians chapter 2, another one of Paul's writings, verse 20 and 21, says, For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, I think it's one thing to understand that Christ has forgiven you of your past. But one thing about it is when we become Christians, we're still humans. We still struggle with sin. And in fact, Paul, we're not going to go there, but in the in, uh, book of Romans, Paul makes a very famous statement. He says, the things that I know I shouldn't be doing, those things I, I find myself doing those things, and the things I uh, should be doing, I find myself not doing those things. And so Paul, still, even as a Christian, and even though he understood that, that Christ forgave him of his sins, he still had that struggle in his life. And as Christians, it's one thing to understand that Christ has forgiven us of those sins, but it's quite another thing in our lives to allow Christ to crucify those things in our lives. To put our past behind us, if we have sins that we're still dealing with in our, from our previous life, or even as a Christian, if we still have sins that we're dealing with in our lives, we need to follow what Paul says here and allow Christ to, to allow ourselves to be crucified with Christ. See, we mentioned a lot in, in Easter time, you know, crucifixion. Uh, a lot of times we think of it as a decoration. We think of it as a as an ornament that you wear on a necklace or a bracelet or something. But really, you know, crucifixion, it was a means of execution. And so in, to put it in our days, it's almost like an electric chair or, or a guillotine or something. And so when Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ, it's it's basically like saying, hey, I've been strapped to the electric chair with Christ. I am ready to give my life for Christ. I'm getting rid of everything in my life. And so he makes a comment, though. He says, I'm crucified with Christ, but yet I still live. And what he means by that is he is crucifying his old self. He is allowing Christ not just to forgive his sins, but get rid of those sins out of his life. And in our lives, we need to allow Christ to work in our life, to work out those sins in our lives. And it's going to be a, it's going to be a daily struggle. It's going to be a time when uh, we will see sin in our life and we will hate that sin in our life and we will have to ask God to get rid of that sin. We will have to ask God to help us move through that sin. We will have to ask God to give us the strength and give us the, the wisdom and uh, to give us the ways out of that temptation. You know, that's one of the things that the writer of Hebrews talks about, you know, the, the book of Hebrews 
the whole theme of that book is Jesus is better. Amen. Uh, the writer talks about how Jesus was better than the, the sacrificial system because he was the ultimate sacrifice. But one thing he mentions is that Jesus is better than the high priest that they had. I mean, the high priest, they were the ones that were going to God for them in the Old Testament. But the problem with the high priest was that they, they didn't understand daily struggles that everybody went through. They, they lived in the temple. They didn't have to worry about where their next meal was coming from. They were fed by the, the offerings and stuff that were brought in, the sacrifices that were brought into the temple. They didn't have to deal with all the temptations that, that regular people have to deal with. But the writer of Hebrews tells us, and again, we're, we're not going to read it verbatim, but the writer of Hebrews tells us, you know, we don't have a high priest that, that can't understand the dealings of our temptations. He's saying we, we follow Christ who's been tempted just like we are, and yet he was not he didn't sin. He didn't fall into sin. And so as Christians, when we look at Christ and we look at his life here on earth, we can't say, well, you know, God just doesn't understand what I'm going through. Yeah, he does. He came here on earth and he lived just like we do. He struggled with the same things that we struggle with. And yet he didn't sin. And so if we are going to move past our past, we need to allow God to put our past to death. We need to allow God to take those sins out of our lives and we need to allow him to let us move past those sins so that we can live for him. But finally, if we are going to move past our past, we need to move forward in faith. You know, uh, Paul in Galatians, he mentions that uh, that he says, no, I'm crucified with Christ, uh, yet I live. But he says that in verse, in the next verse, he says that he has, he has faith in God. He has, uses his faith in Christ to allow him uh, to move forward in his life. And David in Psalm, you know, David was another person that, if you want to talk about regrets, he could give you some regrets in his life. He, uh, he cheated uh, on his his own spouse, he cheated with another man's wife. Then, when she got pregnant, he tries to cover it up by bringing him home off of the battlefield, and tries to get him to you know sleep with her, so that way he can say, "Oh, it's, it's your kid." Well, he won't do that because he he doesn't want to uh, he doesn't want to do that while his men are on battlefield. So then David gets the idea he's just going to have him killed, so he does that. So David had a lot of regrets in his life. But in Psalm 103, starting at verse 8, David writes some very truthful statements here. He says, The Lord is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us after our own sins, nor rewarded us to our own iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Like a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. So many truths in, this, in these few verses. You know, David says in 
you know, one question that people always ask is, well, God seems so angry in the Old Testament, so loving in the New Testament. What's the deal? Well, this is the, the Old Testament. And even in the Old Testament, David says that God is merciful and gracious and slow to anger. He's got plenty of mercy for everybody. And he, he kind of uses the, the illustration of a, a father and a child. Because he, he says that God's not going to chide us forever. He's not going to be angry with us forever. And then toward the end there, he says that just as a, as a father uh, disciplines his, his children, but he has pity on them, uh, so is the same way with, with God. And as a parent, you know, I understand that there are always exceptions. There are always people that are not good parents. But a person who, you know, I think an average parent, you, you discipline your children. You discipline them. But at the end of that discipline, you also let them know that there's still love there. Uh, just this past week, uh, Finley, uh, one thing with Finley is he, he'll eat just about anything we give him, but he, he doesn't, like he'll take a bite, but a lot of times if he doesn't like the texture, he won't swallow it. So Friday we were eating and he didn't like the texture of what we were eating. And so we were having to discipline him for not, because he, honestly, he would keep a bite in his mouth for an hour and not, uh, and normally what he does is he, asks, he tells us he needs to go to the bathroom and then he'll spit it out in the toilet. <laughs> we figured that out. But uh, one thing about Finley is uh, when he is being disciplined, he gets so heartbroken. And so uh, Nicole, he was getting upset and he was, uh, I mean, he just had a pitiful look on his face. And so Nicole, you know, took him and held him for a little bit. And it's important to, for him especially, it's important to know that, yes, they're disciplined, but there's also still love there. And that's what David says here with God is, yes, in our lives, there might be discipline that we have to go through. There might be consequences to our sins. But the fact is, God won't be angry forever. If we come to Christ and we ask him to forgive our sins and we allow him to cover our sins, then David says, just as far as the east is from the west, that's as far as our sins are removed from us. And I think this passage, I, every time I read this passage, every time I teach this passage, I, I think about that this passage, I think... Uh, can be used to show the pure inspiration of the scripture. Because in David's day, I mean, they wouldn't have known, I don't think, I don't think their, their scientists were, were, had advanced far enough to understand that the world was a globe. And if you, you know, you've got four directions, north and south and east and west. And I mean, he could have easily said, as far as the north is from the south, because to them that, you know, north and south are complete opposites. But we know if you, Keep going north, eventually you're going to start, you'll go to the top and you'll start going south. And once you go south far enough, you get to the bottom, you're going to come north. But here, that's not what he says. He doesn't say north and south. He says as far as east is from the west. And in our world, if you go east, you're never going to start going west. And if you go west, you'll never start going east. You're always going to be going that direction. And like I said, I think that shows the inspiration of Scripture because David would not have understood that, I don't think. And yet God knew uh, that eventually humans would understand how this globe worked and, and they, they would need this understanding. And so he says, just as far as the east is from the west, that's how far our transgressions, our sins are removed from us. And so God has given us grace. And I want to tell you that... 
if we don't allow ourselves to uh, to put our past behind us, if we don't allow ourselves to 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 let God put everything to death, and then finally, our if we don't allow uh, God to help us move forward in faith, then we will. There's really no point of us celebrating Easter. There's really no point in us coming together every Sunday and celebrating the resurrection. You know, that's the reason why we, we come together on Sunday is to celebrate the resurrection every week. And if, if all of this doesn't affect our lives, then what's the point? We could go, you know, we could go sleep in a little bit longer on Sunday mornings. We could go mow the grass on Sunday mornings. We could go meet people for brunch or whatever. If, if none of this has any effect in our lives, then what's the point? And so this morning, I think for us, the challenge has to be that we allow that, that resurrection power that we celebrated last week, that we allow that power in our lives and ask God to help us put our past behind us. Help us get past the past. Help us to get rid of those sins in our lives from our past. And even maybe some sins that we've allowed to creep into our lives since we became Christians. And also we need to allow God to help us move forward in faith. You know, if we, if we have faith that God can come here on earth, live as a human, live a perfect life, die on a cross three days later, raise again from the dead. If I can believe that, why is it so hard to believe that God can make a change in my life? Why is it so hard to believe that God's power can have effect in our lives today? Our faith, uh, I think in, in Sunday school the question was asked, uh, I think you asked the question, just was it does prayer change? I think it was either prayer or faith. Or having faith, does it change things? No, it doesn't change anything. It depends on what you're having faith in. If you have faith in something that is not faithful, then no, that doesn't work. But if you have faith in something like God who is faithful, who is just, who is merciful, who is slow to anger, if we have faith in that, if we have faith in a loving God, then we know that God can forgive our sins, and we know that we can finally move past our past. Let's stand together. Let's pray. George, we thank you so much for the fact that you are merciful, that you are loving, that you are slow to anger. And Lord, we ask this morning that for those of us who are dealing with regrets in our lives, Lord, that if we are Christians, we ask that you would help us to move past those. But for those that may not be a Christian, Lord, that are living with regrets, we ask that you open their hearts, show them that you are willing and able to forgive their sins, and that they can move forward with no regrets in their lives. They just accept your free payment. Lord, we thank you so much for your mercy and we thank you for the examples that we can see in scripture we are so thankful for all that you do in our lives in Jesus name we pray amen